Good morning, everybody. It's Jeff Goldberg for the Sales Pro Network. It is Friday, let's see, April 28th. Uh, it is 10 a.m. here on the East Coast of America. I am a sales trainer and coach. I help individuals and organizations internationally get measurable and sustainable sales increases. And I founded the Sales Pro Network. I'm actually not sure how long ago, it's either the two or three years, I'm gonna to have to do some research. Uh, I founded the Sales Pro Network as a place where we can come and network with each other, learn from each other, where we can elevate the profession of sales. And every Friday at 10 a.m. Eastern, I either do a live training or a live interview with somebody who can add value to the profession of sales. Uh, this is the point where normally I say, and today is no exception, and today is no exception if our guest actually shows up. And I hope he does because I'm really uh, looking forward to speaking with him. Uh, our guest today, uh, I'll, I'll just give you his introduction while I'm hoping he shows up. His name is uh, Michael Manzi. He's the founder of Official Sales. He is a trainer, a coach, a fractional VP of sales. And uh, I normally find uh, these the guests that I bring to you, either I know them personally, uh, I, know, uh, I know somebody who knows them and I got an introduction. Maybe I've been following them on LinkedIn or I've seen some of their material somewhere. But uh, this today's guest, again, if he shows up, uh, it, I, I found differently. I have to make a confession to you guys. I'm addicted to TikTok. I'm a little ashamed to admit it, but boy, oh boy, I just love TikTok. And so I'm all day long, I'm scrolling through my phone when I have a few minutes. Uh, uh, and uh, I came across this guy on TikTok. He actually has 76,000 followers on TikTok. And as I was watching some of his videos, everything he said, I'm like, right, yeah. Oh, this guy makes perfect sense. This guy's a genius. This guy's really terrific. So uh, I reached out to him and his name is Michael Manzi. And uh, uh, <laughs> well, it, it's 10.01 on my, 10.02 on my computer. I don't know if he's gonna make it or not. So I'll, I'll tap dance for another two seconds. Uh, good morning, Chip Helm, good to see you. Thank you for saying Jeff is the best of the best. So is Chip Helm. Uh, if you guys have any questions for, well, first of all, if you're watching live, please say hello in the comments. If you're watching live and if not on Facebook, and I've not connected your account to StreamYard, then it will just say Facebook user. I won't know who you are. So say hello and please say who you are. Uh, if you have any questions that I can help you with today, if you get them in real quickly, I can answer them for you and I'd be happy to give advice and coaching. Uh, and if not, this is gonna be a very short interview because our guest just isn't here yet. So uh, good morning, Chip Helm, good to see you. Do you have any questions, sir? Uh, if anybody else is watching, if you have questions for me, I'm happy to answer them. The one thing that I will say is, you know, we're in the middle, actually uh, a third of the way through um, Q2. Uh, you should be about a third of the way to your, to your quota, or at least close to it. You should be looking at your pipeline and making sure that not only do you have business that's going to close soon, but you're preparing for the future. That's, that's one of the things that I find quite often salespeople miss out on, that when you start prospecting, what we think is that if we prospect now, that we're immediately going to get business, but the fact is that it takes some time and you always need to be prospecting for the future. Like in my case, I have a, uh, oh, look, here's our guest. I'll, I'll finish my thought. Sorry for the delay, I'm here. <laughs> hey, Mike. Uh, so in my case, I have an eight-week sales cycle when I'm selling sales training as opposed to some of the other offerings I have. So that means any prospecting I do now is gonna result in a meeting a week from now, two weeks from now, maybe a month from now, but it's not gonna close for another two weeks after that. So any prospecting I do now, I'm really prospecting for Q3. So you always wanna be looking forward on your pipeline. And with that advice, I'm actually gonna do uh, our guest introduction again. As I said, Michael Manzi is the founder of Official Sales. He's a trainer, he's a coach, he's a fractional VP, and I found him on TikTok where I am addicted because 
you, you missed this when I introduced you before, Mike, but I said, every video that I watch of yours, when it's done, I go, this guy knows what he's talking about. He's brilliant at this. So I'm really excited to uh, see you here today and introduce you to everybody in the Sales Pro Network. Good morning, Mike Manzi. Good morning. Happy to be here. And I appreciate that. I think the lowest bar is I watch this guy's stuff and I think he knows what he's doing. So if I know what I'm doing, I think that, that, that's a good start. Happy to be here and excited to answer any questions you guys have. That's great. Well, co coming from someone who does something similar, you know, when I say somebody knows what they're talking about, that's a, a high compliment for me because uh, <laughs> I appreciate it. I appreciate I it. have no patience for most people. I don't like a lot of people. And I find a lot of people who are in a business like ours are just spouting off BS and, and they really have no business trying to influence or help or train others. But I really cannot agree more. Cannot I, agree more. I appreciate everything you say. Good morning, Ray Aurora. It's good to see you here. And I hope I don't mispronounce this. Good morning, Ruta Balsianut. Oh boy, I'm not even going to try. Good morning, Ruta. It's good to see you. So, um, Mike, before we get started, could you maybe just give me the, the two-minute version of your background, background, what brought you up to this point? Sure. So, for the last 15 years, I've been working um, primarily in software sales as well as with services. And uh, the, the first 10 years of my career was selling, and I sold everything from very small uh, travel trips to high schools to take the Spanish teacher, take their kids over to, to Spain, all the way up through enterprise advertising deals with Southwest and Darden. Um, for hundreds of thousands of dollars a month. What I did was um, by the age of 29, I got into the director seat and started managing teams. And I simply, I quickly found out that the biggest gap between um, knowledge or sorry, where you are and where you wanna be is actually knowledge sticking. And so I spent the next seven years really, um, one, figuring out how to manage people and make sure that people wanted to do the work and, and could, could do it and could get better. But really the thing I leaned on primarily was figuring out how do I coach reps in a way that they can leave this coaching session and take five new techniques with them on the next phone call that are actually really going to work, that, that are not going to use any of the BS, and that are going to be something that they can remember not only on sales calls, but even in their personal life to become better. My goal for what I'm trying to accomplish now in my life is just make as many people as, as I possibly can proud of themselves. What I find is that sales is one of the only roles where you can look at a number just to look at your life's worth. Now, I know we shouldn't do that, but we all do. And so I want to make sure that when you look at that number, you're like, I'm valuable. And I know that uh, to do that, you need to get, get better and you got to have better skills. And so my goal now is giving you those skills to be able to do that quickly and for a sustained period of time. That is great. Uh, you know, uh, like you, I, I, I have what I call the fire hose approach. I don't want you to walk away from a session with me with one thing. I want you to walk away with a million things that you can use, but mm -hmm. it can be overwhelming. Like uh, I, I once figured out that in my prospecting training program, which takes a, a full day, uh, you know, it's done live. You know, there's 132 different things I'm talking about in one day. You can't possibly pick up on 132 different things and immediately use them. So you said five things. How, how does somebody take five things and really how do you make them sticky as a coach? That's a great question. How do you make them sticky? Yeah, so um, what I found is that um, I think this came from, from me realizing that when, whenever you're reading any self-help or business books, the first five chapters are about why you bought the book and why it's so important. The next 20 chapters are stories where you're supposed to like pull the symbolism out of it and like take notes and figure out how you can translate it to your business. And that's what sales training looked like too. You know, I grew up getting Sandler training. and I grew up getting reading the Challenger book, right? These are great things, um, but it's you, the, the hardest part is translating that into what do I actually say in the call? <clears throat> and what I found is that to get people to actually have five takeaways is you need to give them these specific phrases 
or specific tonality to use on those phrases um, is the first thing. So make it as specific as possible. Now, I'm still going to go over the why it's important so you understand the essence of it, but I want you to have those phrases so you're like, I can say that. The second thing that I find is I actually urge people in all of my coaching sessions to push back on me. And so I'll say things like, you know, we're not going to move forward until three people tell me that this, that this is not going to work. I want them to push back. Okay. Because well, it's only when they push coming back. Sorry. What about when this happens or what about when that happens? And then I can give them a specific to their individual situation or the, the worry they have in their mind, the phrase in that, um, that will help them with that specific problem. And now they walk away, not only with, uh, a phrase or a tonality, but they also walk away with a specific phrase or tonality to their problem. So they're like, it works, I get it, and I can remember it, because it all comes down to just memory. So it sounds like you're taking out the fluff and just getting to the meat. Exactly. Yeah. Which is why I love TikTok so much, because it's like, how do I just give you 15 seconds of, of a tip that you can use today? And I'm so proud of the fact that I, I have like at least a dozen comments a day and emails of people saying, hey, I, I used your perfect tip, I used your you know, uh, too soon tip or whatever. Um, and it's working. So it's great. That's great. So, uh, uh, you know, I, I always do research when I do these interviews and I did go to your website. You, you, you call yourself as having an East Coast approach with a global yes. mindset, Hall of Fame father with a math major mother and absolutely no patience. Uh, yeah. So I, when he said no patience, I was like, me too, man. Uh, well, yeah, I, I really do have no patience for anyone, uh, including my three kids. Uh, but but uh, so is it the no patience things that, that, that got you to say, you know, let's get rid of the fluff and let's just get to the point? Yeah, I think, I think it's a combination of the no patience thing and that sort of East Coast mindset of like, let's just move forward. Um, I think a lot of people want to talk about just the why and the, the theory behind things. And I want to be like, I need to walk out of this with an actual takeaway. I think this has also been a big reason why in leadership I've, I've excelled primarily because as a leader, and I haven't been a CRO, but as a leader, your job is to translate this person who says more sales, bigger deal size, whatever, and translate that into actions of, okay, we're going to say these words, we're going to do these things, make these process changes. So in order to show that I'm doing things, uh, that I'm making progress, uh, I've always cared about making sure there's like an action item immediately. Got it. So there was something else on your website that I really was in love with, because uh, again, I was I read I'm like, exactly. Uh, you said, I'm a real guy who doesn't BS and I hate slow walkers, slow walkers. I want to strangle them. It's like I want to yeah. throw them off the street. And I, I think, too, with that, where, where it really comes from, though, is um, obviously I hate I hate the BS. I, I don't have any patience and all of that, but um, I don't. The, the world just moves extremely quickly. So does the world of sales tac tactics and techniques. So do buyers. I've even seen over the last two years a, a kind of a shift with buyers. People don't want to negotiate anymore. People people will do even more research ahead of time so they can. That's one of the reasons why companies are going towards more product led growth. So it's really a, a, the no slow walking is kind of a symbol of. Um, no, no slow motion. It's sort of like a bank account. You know, if you're getting 0.5% interest rate in your bank account, you're actually losing money because interest goes up faster. So if you're learning one tip a month, you're actually losing because there's 10 people, 10 tips you could be learning. So you're, you're getting behind. Yeah. I'm a big fan of move or get out of the, uh, I mean, walk or get out of the way. Uh, I know when yeah, I'm totally. tired. And I drive the way I walk fast. Uh, <laughs> that means well. Don't, don't pay attention to this, but you know, I typically do 
minimum 80 on the expressway. I agree. I always said the, the minimum minimum for the left lane is 85. I exactly agree. right. But if I'm doing 85 or 90 and you come flying up behind me, I'm going to pull over. What I don't get. No, for, yeah, I don't care. I'm I totally agree. And, and we're both oh doing God. 80 and he sees I'm there. And sometimes I'm even flashing. Move over. What's the problem? Yeah. Here's the one I really like. You're not moving over. Now I get into the right lane to try to pass you. And now you speed up. Now we've got, now we have a real problem. Okay. That's enough psychology. For me. <laughs> uh, so um, you mentioned that things are moving so quickly. I'm just curious. Do you have any uh, opinions uh, or advice on using AI in sales? Because there's a lot of talk about that right now. Yeah, so I'm using AI in a couple of ways actually for sales. So primarily it's for for, for research, um, but I'll tell you, so one, one recent thing I did is I went and I wanted to go back to my current, uh, my newsletter, uh, I have 4,000 people in my newsletter to say, how do I get them to purchase some of my products? So I actually went to ChatGPT, asked them, hey, what's the right email for that? And I got a few responses, uh, turned more into a survey than it did cash. So, you know, didn't wasn't a revenue driver, but it was interesting nonetheless. Now, that said, here's exactly how I use it today. So when I'm creating a list of people that I want to go after, what I'm doing is I'm going to get their first name, their last name, their email, uh, their, their, any, their LinkedIn profile, all that kind of stuff, right? But what I need to get is something that's personal. So when I reach out and someone's scanning the email, which by the way, they're not scanning the email for content. They're scanning the email to see is this a human or a robot. When they do that, I need to make sure that they see that I'm a human. So when I'm getting the, doing the research, uh, I got first name, last name, email, college, current company, right? Then what I do is I go to ChatGPT and I go, give me a list of the top 100 cities in the US ranked by population. Give me a list of the um, companies that are, sorry, of, of the restaurants that are in those cities. And give me a list of the of, sorry of the most popular restaurant in this city, and give me a list of the most popular dishes at that restaurant. I put that into Excel and um, do a quick little V lookup. So if someone says their city is Boston, it says you know when you're at Abe and Louis, get the prime you know Abe and Louis prime rib or whatever, right? Now when I write my email, I'm uploading those that information into whatever tool I'm using, and I can have a dynamic field. That includes like, P.S., if you're ever at restaurant, make sure to get dish. And now the email, when they see that, they're like, whoa, how did this guy know about this small restaurant or whatever this restaurant even recommended this dish? Clearly, that's not a robot. So that's one way that I'm actually using AI. The other way is there's a tool that I use um, called Instantly. Um, I think you get a discount if you use my link, but it's tinyurl.com slash official instantly. But what Instantly does is you can plug in a bunch of emails and then um, it will send, it will warm those emails up. It will then um, send them at the right time and the right cadence to ensure that you're not in spam. And then when the answers, when people reply, it will automatically categorize them as either out of office, interested, not interested, wrong contact or whatever. And I can tell you a million things I'm doing with instantly, but those are a couple of ways that I use AI. Um, I am worried about it though. If, if that's the question, I am worried that, um, AI will be able to, like if I were Gong or one of those other massive companies that has access to transcripts and emails, I could easily say, you know, show me all the best performing emails and the best performing transcripts and put them into an email cadence for me and adjust that cadence as we get more data to make it more optimized. So there's a lot that I'm worried about with AI. Um, 
just like for any other profession. Yeah, absolutely. And by the way, I love what you just said, you know, coming up with the restaurant and the and the, the favorite dish. Uh, I think I put that more towards the beginning of the email because in case they don't read down, but what a great way to, to say, I actually did some research because I, I know, you know, like you, I'm sure I get emails all day long and it's like, clearly you don't know who I am. Just exactly. And you could do the same thing. Now there's so many scraping tools. I actually just used ChatGPT this morning where I said, can you please write me a JSON script for, um, uh, scraping LinkedIn URLs where I can put in the URL and you can then give me the college they attended. Cause I also want to use that for to personalize emails. Um, didn't quite work this morning, but I was doing it in a bit of a rush. So I know it exists and is pop, 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 ugh, possible. So I'd love to be able to, for example, use chat GPT, chat GPT to create a JSON script um, so that I can have, I can pull like recommendations or who recommended them because th those emails have worked recently too, where you say, Hey, I saw Tom Jones recommended you like, that's fantastic. By the way, you've come a long way since your days at Ohio state university. And I hope you've been enjoying the ribeyes at Abe and Louis. That said, what I can help you do is blah, 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 blah. Right. So you can see how personalized you can get when you, when you leverage that. Love that. Uh, good morning, Lisa Linker. She said, slow walkers the same. What does that say about us? I'm not sure. Other than that, we, we don't like to take our time. Good morning, Joe Pontius. And somebody said, laugh out loud. I am a slow walker because I have Parkinson's. Oops, my bad. Oh, sorry. Well, so excuse my unwanted neuroscience that makes me walk slow. Although I do drive fast. Okay. Well, uh, if you've got Parkinson's, <laughs> you certainly get a pass from me. Uh, as, as I'm pushing past you, just say, hey, Jeff, I have Parkinson's and I will turn around. <laughs> walk away. I'll apologize. <laughs> Let's get into some real advice and questions. Uh, uh, what's, what's the 10 by 10 email method? Cool. <clears throat> so this is the most exciting thing that, that I've had, I've, I've uh, discovered recently. Right now, if you go to write 100 emails, you know if I write 100 emails, I'll get one opportunity, let's say. If you write 100 emails from your inbox today, no matter how personalized they are, you will be marked as spam. Those emails will not go through. This is why your sequences that you are pushing through HubSpot or, or, or Yesware or just writing are getting 30%, 40% open rates because the majority of them just are not getting delivered. You're so, getting 85%, aren't you? I'm getting 85% open rates in my email. Amazing. Uh, consistently across, I got nine clients running running this, this script right the second live and all the ones, the 19 from before that, all of them are getting like between 75 and 90% open rates. Now, what we do is, um, Instead of having one email send 100 emails and that not going through, I want you to get 10 domains, tryacme.com, joinacme.com, goacme.com, .io, .whatever, and then 10 emails per domain. And recently I've adjusted this now to three, so it's really a three by 10 method. Three emails per domain, so mike.manzi, mikem, manzi.m, uh, at, so now I've got 30 emails. Now, each of those emails, I'm only gonna, I'm gonna set the tool that I use, which is instantly, to send no more than 15 emails per day. So now I've got 15 emails times 30, that's 450 emails per day that are gonna go out. So now I'm able to send five times as many emails as I could if I were just having one inbox with two to three times as many of those emails that are being sent getting through to the inboxes. So instead of 100 emails and 30 get opened, I got 450 emails and 400 get opened, all by using this method. Now, it's kind of a pain to do it. And so I've been 
I, I have now been effectively an agency to say, let me help you get the domains, get the emails, plug them into instantly. I have the sequences that I know work. I'll plug all those in to make sure that you're getting the results I'm talking about. But anybody could do this. And the, the essence of it is simply multiple domains, multiple emails per domain, put them into a system and be able to email from there. Wow. So, so not only do you do training and offer courses to do it, uh, but you, you'll actually do this for people? Yeah. So my, my offerings are coaching and fractional VP. And so coaching is for reps, leaders, and owners. And the fractional VP bit is um, I will build you the outbound sales engine to ensure that you're getting 20 plus leads a month. I will build you the sales script deck um, and uh, CRM to ensure that you can push those people through to close. And I'll build you the onboarding and hiring um, requirements so that you can add humans into the into it whenever you're ready. Wow. And how long is your typical engagement when you do that? 60 days. Wow. So I like to, I want to get in and out. I think most sales consultants want to have a you know monthly retainer. <clears throat> I have no interest in that. I just want to, in 60 days, blow you away with leads and processes and basically give you what a VP of sales for three or $400,000 would give you in six months. I'm going to give you that for a fraction of the cost in 60 days, and then I'm out of there. Um, so you can adjust that. I've had one e-commerce company, for example, they were like, listen, we, we want a VP of sales. We want to take our time because it's a really big role. Can you get us everything we need so we can start getting sales in today over the next six months? So that way we can have some freedom to really be picky with who we select versus most companies who are like, we need this person now, screw it, just hire this person. And then they fire them 18 months later because it didn't work out. And then they're actually four or five years behind the eight ball. Outstanding. Uh, you, you use another term that I was unfamiliar with. What, what's a trumpeting email? Cool. So a trumpeting email actually comes from Skip Miller, who's a sales trainer. Now I picked this up from him, but it's a way to get st other stakeholders involved. What you do is when you get a lead or you get someone who's interested, they agree to meet with you. You do something really scary. So I'm going to reach out to, to Bob. Bob says he's interested. He's a director. I'm then going to email or trump it up to the CEO or who the VP of marketing is if, Bob, if I'm selling to marketing. And I'm going to email the VP of marketing. I'm going to email the CEO and I'm going to go, hey, I have a meeting with Bob. We're going to be discussing your challenges as it relates to, you know, your business goals in 2023, your marketing, whatever. Nothing for you to do. Should you need to be included, I'll make sure to, that I get the information over to you. Let me know if you want any updates sent. Now, uh, they're going to, what they're going to actually do is forward that down to Bob and go, who the hell is this guy? And we have, me and Bob haven't started any relationship yet, so I'm not really hurting any relationship. Um, this will disqualify deals where you get Bob who's a tire kicker and the CEO goes, Bob, why the, are you looking into this? Please do not look into this. And he cancels the call. Wonderful. Now we both save time. Um, or it's allowed Bob to realize, oh shoot, I got to make sure I get the right information my boss is going to ask. And most importantly, when this deal goes dark, when I need help, you know, when, this, when it's on the CEO's desk, I already have it in. That's what trumpeting is. Brilliant. Does the Bob in this example ever get upset that you're going over their head? Usually what you get, if you do it after you talk to them, yes. If you do it before you talk to them, no. There, I have had people go, I don't know why you did that. And, um, but, but because they haven't gotten anything yet, like they're waiting. They're in line for the candy that you sell. 
and they haven't gotten there yet. So if you're in the line for the candy and we're like, we do something that maybe you didn't like, you don't get out of line. You're like, I still want to get the candy. I still want to see what this demo is. Like, I want to see what the software is or whatever. So you stay in line. And I simply explain like, oh, it's just a standard process we have here. It's, it's helpful to make sure we keep people involved. Usually helps you later when you're trying to get this sold and turned. But no actual like, hey, what the hell are you doing? That only happens when you do it after you've talked. So you have to do it before you talk. It's great, just great stuff. And you actually suggest that uh, there are better ways to prospect than using emails, even though you have this amazing open rate uh, and success with it. What are the other things we should be doing instead of emails? Cool. So a couple of things that are working really well, we all know about videos. It's like, I'm sick of hearing about videos. And the fact of the matter is, by the way, if you're doing videos like this, like with like their name on like a whiteboard, um, fastest way to get someone to be like, not interested. This is, this is bad. Um, videos are working less well because um, they're being done by super rookie sales reps. So they all suck. Um, and because I can see you and I know who you are and I'm already like, I, this is a sales rep. I don't want to, I don't want to open the video. Um, we all know that they can see that you opened it and on all that stuff. So you're like, I don't want to be bothered by this. I'll just delete it. So videos I don't love. What is working though is LinkedIn voice notes. So on LinkedIn, not on the desktop, but on your phone, you can just like you can on like an iPhone or any other tool, really, you can press and hold and talk into your phone and it'll send a blue bar that just has like 23, like 23 seconds. So the person receiving it is like, what is this? I got to open it. It's a gift box. It's a box. I got to see what's in the box. So um, that's been a great way to get people in to the prospecting funnel. <clears throat> and can you My do that with anybody or do you have to be a first level connection? Cause I, I never, you have to be a first level connection. You, you, you can do it for email, but I just find emails don't really work. Me either. Yeah, when you're trying to use LinkedIn, the way you want to use LinkedIn is you want to make sure that you're interacting with someone's stuff and then connecting with them with no message when you're connecting. So you first are going to, you know, like a post, comment something actually thoughtful. Don't say like, this was great. Um, be like, this reminds me of this article and post an article. Be like, oh, I love this because this thing, you know, it actually puts, put, a, put a thoughtful comment there. Um, which means you probably can't be using all those LinkedIn, uh, the Indian LinkedIn companies who are like, we've got people who will take over your LinkedIn and post doesn't, it can't be as thoughtful as of what you might say. So you do that. And then as you send that, because you know, they're going to get a notification, you then click the, the connect button so you can connect with them. That is how you do that to make sure that you can speed that up. Got it. And I'm not now, sure. I'm not sure I heard you correctly, Sorry, but when, when you're connecting with somebody, you're saying, don't, don't edit the message, just send the standard LinkedIn connection request. Yeah. Because the only people that are putting a message are salespeople. Like in the, if you look at any request that you've gotten that have a message, it's all like, just want to, you know, you want to add your more professional network. Those are obviously all BS, mm -hmm. but the ones that are like, have any message in there, you're like, I don't want this. And you know, the second that you, that you click it, they're going to start dumping a pitch on you. So I would recommend not doing that. Yeah. I, I... You could disagree and that's totally cool. If it works also cool. I recommend no message. Um, but the LinkedIn voice note is, is what makes the bigger impact. But I'd love uh, to give you like the idea of what that script should be like on the voice note or the video, if you think it'd be helpful. Sure, please. Absolutely. Cool. So when, when someone's listening to, uh, the sales rep, they either want to hear something wicked personal 
uh, or wicked close to what they care about. And so here's how I do that. You can do something really personal and that's great, but to make, give you something that's actually scalable by saying, I don't look, actually look at everyone's profile whenever I send this. Um, you do it like this. You're, you're the title over a company and that typically means you care about this funny thing, this funny thing, and this thing that I can help you with. I can't help you with number one or two, but I can't help you with number three. We actually just did it for this company over here. Kind of crazy results. Anyways, we should get in touch. Um, drop me a note and we'll get in touch soon. Okay. So what I'm doing here is I need to, I'm establishing some credibility and some personalization to the title. So if you're a VP of sales and some, somebody's reaching out to you and they say, hey, you're a VP of sales, which typically means you care about the speed that your proposals get back and how often your sales team is inputting proposal information in Salesforce. I'm like, no, dude, no, no. That, that's, what, that's like what your marketing team thinks. And that's so you related. If they instead were like, you're the CEO, which typically, or you, you're the VP of sales, which typically means you care about your team actually filling out the CRM and you're pissed that your boss never gives you the autonomy that you actually need. I can't help you with that. But what I can help you with is the fact that your sales team could be doing better. A couple of ways that we're doing that right now is X, Y, and Z, blah, 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 blah. But the, the first two things need to be things that only someone in that position would, would understand are true. So if you say to a CEO, for example, it might be like, hey, you're frustrated that of a small company, you're frustrated that you're handling accounting. You hate how much of your job is actually managing people who don't want to work as hard as you do. Like these are things that only someone in that role would understand and are completely unrelated to any product you could possibly sell. So they go, this is cool. I want to hear the rest of this. Then you hit them with the, and this thing over here. And here's how we can help you. And let's talk. Um, some of the key things I'm doing there is what one of the other key things I'm doing there as well is I'm removing the, Hey, this is Mike over at company because you need to have the hook. And the hook is just, you're a CEO, which means you care about this. Do you agree? Keep listening. So again, you're getting um, right to the point. You get right into it because you only have like three seconds to get their, get their attention, which I've kind of learned from TikTok because um, <laughs> that's how humans are. So that's what I recommend for a script for LinkedIn voice notes, videos, and voicemails. Well, those are a couple of things I'd recommend to do outside of just email. I know you also mentioned WhatsApp. You're using WhatsApp for prospecting. Yeah, if I can find them. If I have their their um, email their their cell phone number, um, I find text or WhatsApp um, works. And you simply just go, hey, you know, let me know if this. I tried an e I tried email and you thought I'd give you a text. Let me know if if I shouldn't. That said, hope you know. I thought we can get in touch. Maybe maybe I'll include a video link. It's like a vidyard or a quick 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 note. It's gonna be really really small. And you got to have that little qualifier of like, I know that you may not want me in, in your text without saying, hey, I know you may not want me in your text. So just like, hey, I sent you an email, thought this would be a good spot too. Let me know if you don't want that. Anyways, we should get in touch. Yeah, I love that. Cause I get that question all the time from reps. You know, should I be using text? Should I be using WhatsApp? If you've got the number- yeah, go for it. You, you, you know, yeah, what's you the worst that? Happens? Somebody says, please don't contact me via cell anymore. Uh, you know, yeah. Try, you gotta do something. Yeah, totally. And, and that's where like, again, like the, I've used the, the voice note when I find it's a blue number, you know, I can just do the, it's an iPhone. So I'll do the voice note right there. They have to listen to it. They got to read it. You can see that they write it because it'll the voice note goes away. Um, so that could be a great thing as well. Well, I turned a profit today by learning that. So uh, I hope everybody else did too. That's great. I didn't know about that. Cool. Um, when it comes to CRM, you seem to be a very big fan of HubSpot. Why, why HubSpot as opposed to others? 
Yeah, so I've used HubSpot, Salesforce, Zoho, Pipedrive, and what I found is um, there are some like underlining problems you don't know you're going to run into when you get a CRM. So all of them are perfect. All of them include everything that you need. Um, Salesforce is typically way too big for most organizations. 100%. And I, I swear it's built in a way so that you can customize anything so that you can never come off of it because it's so customized and you could never like transition from Salesforce to something else because of yours is such like a Frankenstein. So um, for that reason, I don't like Salesforce. Although it can do everything, it's very powerful, it's great for larger organizations. Um, I, don't, I don't like it for that reason. Uh, Pipedrive and Zoho and the smaller ones can do a lot of the stuff that you're looking for, but most of the time they lack some uh, functionality that you don't realize is important until you're too deep. And most importantly, the actual tools you need to be using, the other point solutions you might use are not going to integrate. HubSpot is the only tool that I have found that's really, really, really easy for everyone to understand how, how it works. Um, very easy to add on integrations so it can work how you want it to work, even at a cheaper level. You know, for example, a lot of the things in HubSpot, I used Zaps to create workflows outside of HubSpot. And then eventually it was like, okay, I'll just upgrade my HubSpot. But for a good period of time, I was paying the cheap rate for HubSpot and Zaps for 10 bucks a month. So that's great. And then if you don't want integrations, they also have all of the different levels that you can get with HubSpot and they can negotiate pretty good. So feel free to negotiate with them. Um, so it can give you everything you need as a small company all the way up through a big company that's all easy to use and easy to understand. For that reason, I think HubSpot's the best. Yeah, I like HubSpot. I do, I do, I use Pipedrive myself and I do like Zoho One. I, I could not agree with you more on Salesforce. Uh, for, for a huge enterprise, like I've trained companies like Cisco Systems and Siemens and Aramark, huge organizations like need that, that. that can afford to have an on-staff sales administrator, Salesforce administrator, that's what Absolutely it is. Absolutely great. But for most companies, it's just, it's way, it's way too much. It's, it's a Lamborghini when what you need is a Ford. Uh, totally. And, Can't agree and, more. And I haven't worked with a single company yet that brought in Salesforce that didn't have to hire an outside Salesforce implementation partner. Every time. Usually yeah. pretty pricey and it takes a long and time. And I, I still have yet, there's not a single company I've worked with ever who's like, all of our data is good. Nobody. Whether yeah. you're in Salesforce or Pipedrive or whatever, it's never, it's never perfect data. So easier to simplify it with a tool like HubSpot or PipeTrack. Yep. Uh, plus, it's a heck of a lot less expensive. <laughs> That's true, too. Yeah. Uh, I get a, this question all the time, and I'm guessing you probably uh, have an opinion on it. Is it smarter to hire an SDR company or to do your own lead generation? Oh, my God. So <laughs> I can't tell you how much I disagree with hiring SDR companies. And actually, even for what I do, you know, I should, I could very easily turn my company into an SDR company. I can build the outbound machine. Why don't I have human beings who handle the replies and, and send the leads over to somebody? I have used six of them, international, local, never works. Every single company that I've worked, that I've talked to who has used them has said they haven't worked. I, in TikTok, I got like 50,000 views on a video where I mentioned, where I mentioned this. And I got one comment that was like, we use it and we love it. And every other comment was like, we got burned, we got burned, we got burned, we got burned. So one of the challenges with it is it doesn't work. The other challenge is you end up having to do 
all of the front end work to get it launched anyways. So when you're thinking, I just want to outsource the SDR stuff. Okay, well, you still have to think through like, to train them on your, your company and get all these documents and do all the things you would need to do to do inbound, to do um, SDRs with, the, with an in-house SDR team. Anyways, you have to just give it to somebody else. Um, and then finally, it can get really, really expensive when you do this. Um, so it's really expensive. It's really time consuming. And there's always some reason from an SDR company uh, perspective for them to say, ooh, just give us one more month. We're going to make one, one, one tweak. So you end up sinking money into it. And then lastly, SDRs are your number one source for quality account executives. So what you should be doing as a business is hiring SDRs internally and coaching them so you have a machine running. And then that machine is also a farm system for account executives. So the little bit of, of increased uh, work up front to hire a team internally and get that done right um, is worth it for what you get in the end uh, with like a, the, the full farm team. So that's why for what I do, I exclusively teach companies or put in the systems for companies so they can have an SDR team internally, even if that SDR team is one or the CEO. Because of how you used to see that I do the emails with the 10 by 10 method, a lot of times I just have this automation running and the CEO responds to 20 or so emails a day they become their own SDR. A few months in, they then hire one SDR. They're the account executive. A few months later, they hire an account executive and they go on from there. Yeah, I could not agree, agree more. Uh, like you, I've invested tens of thousands of dollars with various uh, outside companies. We'll get you leads. I even had one that guaranteed in writing a certain amount of leads. Didn't get them. Didn't want to refund my Never. money. Uh, get this. I, I had a partner for about three years. I, I didn't like having a partner. I love him, but didn't. So I, I stopped it. He came to me at one point uh, and said, Jeff, I found a great company. You're not going to believe this. They're unbelievable. We're going to start using them. I said, okay, well, let me talk to them. So I get on the phone with the, the rep and I said, look, uh, my partner told me something crazy that it can't possibly be true. He said, you guys are using prisoners in a prison. You've trained them, you manage them, and they set the appointments. And he said, Sir, you're talking to one of the prisoners right now. I'm like, get out of here. And he was a great guy. Wow, that's crazy. It was amazing. Yeah, somewhere out west, I think they might be in Idaho or something. Uh, and they made a deal with this prison that they'll train them and give them a marketable skill for when they get out. I mean, that's cool. And I like the idea. And we did. We did. Pay Shows you the low barrier to entry to sales, right? <laughs> yes, exactly right. But here was the problem. You know, I started listening to the recordings. They sounded like prisoners. I mean, they, they, they did not sound like, oh, I want representing me and my company. I say nobody cares more about your appointments than you do. And it, it, it's too risky. Look, if I could find a company that did it great, I'd pay the money. But I just, like you, I haven't found one either. I, I, I want to ask you something else. Uh, many reps get nervous towards the end of the month because they see that they're not going to hit their quota. And they start offering substantial discounts. And they'll say things like, Look, I'll give you this discount if you sign by the end of the month. Now, this is why I'll always buy a car the last three days of the month because people are trying to get their quote and you can negotiate more effectively. How do you yeah. feel about discounting in general? And how do you feel about offering to discount with a certain time frame? Like do it in the next four days and you can have the discount. Cool. So <clears throat> I'm going to go against the grain here and probably what you think I'm going to say, which is I actually like discounting. What I find is that people need motivators to get over the chasm. So if I want to join a gym, it's going to help me. I'm going to lose weight. But I'm like, ah, do I really want to go? Uh, and I'm kind of just torn. I'm going to just sit there and not make a decision. 
But if they go, hey, by the way, it's cheaper this month if you sign up, I'll go, oh, okay, I'll just do it this month. Now I, as the as a the purchaser, what actually benefited not just from the discount, but because it motivated me to take that that little step. It's easy to maintain doing what you're doing. It's challenging to make to do something new. So a lot of times a discount can can make, can make that helpful. The second thing, reason that I that I like discounts is actually um, we're typically typically the person doesn't care about the cost savings. There, it's not their money. The budget's open ended, whatever. But it makes it easier for them to have the conversation with their boss, so they can go to their boss and go, "Hey, uh, now we got it at this price." Can I actually have the conversation with you? So it, it helps that person um, arm them with a conversation with their boss or their budgeting team or whoever it is. <clears throat> so you're also helping the customer, <clears throat> which you could help them by having ROI calculators or whatever collateral or whatever. That's just another avenue to do it. Now, what I when it comes to discounting, however, I have some structure around this. The first thing is when I'm giving pricing to someone. I want to say to that, and they say it's too expensive or we want to talk about discounting. <clears throat> I'm going to say in exchange for a discount, can you provide X, Y, or Z? So I'm not just going to go, Hey, can I give you a 30% discount? Like maybe you got me a discount. Like I'm just like going to throw it out there. Um, I want to make sure that it's really clear that this is a tip or tap situation. So I'm going to go, I can, I, if you could bring this to your boss by Friday, I can thank you in the form of a 20% discount. Now, this phrase, if you could blank, I could thank you in the form of a discount, makes it seem much less, hey, sign by Friday and I'll give you a discount. And much more like, hey man, this thing you gotta do is kind of challenging. So maybe I, I can give you a gift. And instead of the gift being, you know, a pair of, pair of sunglasses or a hundred bucks, it'll be a discount. Um, so that's, that's one way to do it without being sleazy, I guess. Um, and then the, the last thing that I'll say about it is the end of the month stuff, um, first, I always tell anybody who, who does do discounting, um, the last day of the month should always be the, like around the 18th so that you still have seven days left in the month. Cause everybody always pushes a week. So you go, Hey, if you sign up by the 17th of May, uh, I'd love to thank you in the form of, of a 10% discount. And they go, great. I'm going to push towards that date. And you go, fantastic. May 18th comes and they go, I missed it. And you go, no sweat. I, you know, we could extend it by five more days. And now you're still in month. Now, that said, when I give discounts or some companies that do give discounts, especially for larger enterprising companies, um, for them, I say, well, you should be very upfront. Hey, I'm going to give you this discount. I would love for you to, um, in exchange for me offering this discount, sign up by Thursday or whatever date. That said, if you can't, I'll, of course, offer this next one, the next month. So you're like very upfront. And what I find is people are like, I appreciate that. You know, I'm really going to shoot for that date because they don't feel like you're holding over their head. They feel like you're being an adult where you're like, I'll give you the discount, but you and I both know I'll give it to you next month. So please do it. But if you don't, no sweat, no pressure. Yeah. So we don't have to agree on everything. Like I am not a fan of discounting. I'm a fan of cool. selling on value. I personally, look, I don't have anything against anybody who does it. I, I, people can have other opinions, but I don't discount a penny. It's just not the way I work. I, I also don't inflate the price. I, I give the right price right from the beginning. I, I don't, I don't say it's this and, I, and then let people talk me down so that they feel good. Uh, I, I, it's just part of my, my, my integrity way of selling. And well, again, I, I don't, I'm not against anybody who does, but to me, what you're doing is not really discounting. You're actually negotiating. 
if I give you this, I'm yeah. gonna ban them. That I'm in favor. Yeah, we're negotiating, yeah. Yeah, okay. Um, I, I really do love so much of what you say. And uh, yes, just yesterday you posted something that I've been telling reps for years and years and years. And it's so great when you see somebody else who you respect go, yeah, this is what you should be doing. I, I loved it. Stop thanking prospects for their time. Why do oh you feel God. that's so important, like, like I do? So this is, this is a bigger problem that I'm so glad there's people here to hear, which is um, we need to, in order to get someone to do stuff for you, you need to be seen as their peer or their, or their superior. You cannot be here. Now, when a sales call begins, we're here. The customer is like, I'm going to give you cash. And we're like, we might give you something cool. And I know that it shouldn't be that way. It should be more like, I have a cool product. You have cash. You want my product. We swap. It's even, right? That's how it should feel. It doesn't. So when you start a call and you act like this, people treat you like this. Yes. And this is why you get ghosted. This is why they tell you to lower the price. even if They don't need you to lower the price. So one way that you can be low status in this situation is by saying, hey, thanks so much for your time. You know, another way to think about how you might be doing this subconsciously or unconsciously is if you had a meeting with Jeff Bezos right now and he shows up late and he's like, hey, how you doing? What's this about? You might start your conversation with, hey, I'm really sorry. I know you're really busy. Sounds like a normal thing you might say to Jeff Bezos. But when you say, hey, really sorry. No, you're, no, you're really busy. What you're saying is, hey, I'm a big loser and you're way more important. And he now feels like this. In fact, he feels even more like this because not only are you beneath him, which you are in this situation, you know, uh, but you then apologizing is you saying, and I know I'm a big loser. So now you're even farther down. So he's going to be like, cool, thanks, whatever, get out of here. So when on a call you say, hey, thanks everybody for your time. Uh, do you guys still have 30 minutes? Thank you so much you know, for your time. What you're saying is I'm a big loser. So instead, if you need to, I don't say any of those things, but if you needed to say something like that, I'd say, glad we all have 30 minutes, glad we're all here. I'm like, just, I'm glad. I'm not thankful. I'm not asking if you still have the time it's on your calendar. Uh, I'm just, I'm just going to ask you or just say, I'm glad you're, you're all here. I do a lot of teaching on status um, because I think that we, so many of the problems we have that people think are like closing problems are actually, you created a precedent with this client. We've all seen spoiled kids, right? It's just because their parents set a precedent of you get whatever you want. The same thing is true on calls. You're setting a precedent. People will treat you based on the precedent you set. Exactly. We've, we've been taught, at least in the old days, you know, bow down to the almighty customer. What I say is, hey, I'm glad we could invest some time together today. And I love that. Love when you use the word invest, it should be triggering, oh, investment. There's usually a return on the investment. This is great. As opposed yeah, to, great. thank you so much for your time, Mr. or Ms. Almighty customer. Let me bow down to you and kiss your shoes. Yeah, you know, totally. You've and this is true at the end of the calls, too. You know, I, I did a post yesterday. People people were kind of ripping me up on it, which is um, at the end of calls, I, I might say something like, you know, are you willing to, to move forward? Or sorry, are you willing to do all the work you got to do on your end? to get this over, over the finish line or to, to work on this internally and get an approval or not approval. And people are like, you should never do that. And, and it's like, you need to talk to people like, like your peers and a peer. If we were in a group project, we were both in college. I wouldn't say, okay, um, my next steps are all of these things over here. And then I'll come to you guys and let you know if you guys agree. It would be like, all right, guys, I'll do the first two slides. You guys do the next two slides. Are you cool with that though? Or do you need help with that? You know, I can, why don't you and I meet and I'll give you some help with that. Cool. Um, are you sure you're ready to go to the, 
CEO with that though, it looks like it's not quite done yet. That's what you would say if you were peers in college going over a group project and that's how it should be on a call as well. Yeah, I actually worked for Encyclopedia Britannica. For, for those of you too young, those were books. Uh, you know, I, I was a salesperson door to door for many years. And one of the things they trained us on was you never, after you get the contract signed, you never leave the customer's house until they thank you, which I thought was brilliant because with that, they had a 72 hour rescission clause on, on the back of the contract. They could cancel within three, three days. And we found that when the customer thanks you and says, thank you so much for your order today, your kids are going to do better in school, blah, blah, blah. Well, that's part of the salesperson magic, which wears off when you walk out the door. But when they, they thank you, they're hearing themselves saying, hey, you did something good for me. And I'm really pleased with it. I love that. Um, yeah, I would like to take one point there on what you just said, if that's okay. Sure. So the number one technique that I use to, and I still, and people don't agree with because they get nervous about the rookie sales rep is from Sandler. It's the negative reverse, which is when you say, I want to get someone to tell me why now is important. I want someone to tell me why they're excited about it. So similar to you getting the person to thank you. If I say to you, how much time are you going to save? They're going to be like, I mean, I don't know, man. If I say, how much revenue are you going to save? I don't know, man. Well, do you'll get a return from this? I don't know, man. What's the impact? I don't know, man. But if I instead use a negative reverse and I say, um, do you think you'll, do, do you think you'll get any impact on this? Yeah, I think I do. And here's why. Um, or if this doesn't work out, what do you think are some of the reasons that might not work out? So using this negative language of like, maybe if this isn't the right fit, or I'm not sure if this, if this is going to be right for your business, or do you think maybe this won't get you what you're looking for? What are your thoughts on that? That negative reverse requires someone to then either say, I agree, or more often, no, and here's 10 reasons why I should do it now. Here's 10 reasons why I want to go forward with you. Yep. So um, and when they say question it, I ask is, why not later? Why not? When do you want to be up and running? January. Why not February or even March? Well, because January is so important for these 10 reasons. Wonderful. Right. And when they say it, they believe it. It is the truth. Yeah. And yes. Absolutely. You offer all kinds of great templates on your website. Which ones do people get the most out of? Yeah. So... I have a bunch on there, but the, the two that I get like every month, it's like dozens and dozens and dozens of people are purchasing are my sequences because what I do with the sequences are um, I update them typically quarterly by I'm running sequences with hundreds of different or thousands of different emails. So I'm able to see which things are working and test those things out. And I have access to other emails as well. So I, I will add new sequences to them. So it's always this running list of more sequences. And once you buy in, you get all the additional things as you, as you go. So that's for sure that the, the number one seller. And the second one is this VP of sales 30, 60, 90, which I'll be soon be packaging together with my manager checklist. So that's going to include every single thing you need to do as a manager, one-on-ones, feedback, coaching, um, pipeline reviews, uh, Monday, Monday meetings, quarterly business reviews, and then exactly the 30, 60, 90 of becoming a new VP with all the templates you need to identify the problems of the, of the company, solve those problems, get the team behind you. All of that is, is available to you. And um, yeah, those are the two that people love the most. And I think that they come back to me and say, holy shit, I got this job now. I'm a VP. What do I do? I want to use you as a coach, you know? So it's very cool. 
So useful. Uh, you know, I, I have a training program for managers, whether they're new or experienced. And because I, I find that, um, well, first of all, I believe that the sales manager, whatever the whatever the actual title is, whoever sales actually reports to on a daily basis, it's the yeah, yeah. of the organization. I mean, they're, they're the most important. The CEO is less important. The salespeople are less important. Well, the salespeople are still important, but you know, the only the only person uh, in sales who doesn't need a great sales leader, sales manager, is a superstar. Most salespeople simply aren't superstars, but that's okay. Uh -huh. but to be but with a great sales leader a, a, an average salesperson can do much better uh so i i find that's crucial so i love hearing that um great you know a, a lot of reps are giving demos and, and most reps after giving a demo they'll end the call with uh so what do you think or what are your thoughts or something like that you suggest it should be said differently yes how so yeah this is the first thing so when i was at workable um the first thing i installed and i just sat there for two months and it was like crazy about everyone doing this is the the last three sentences or four sentences of your call so the first thing you should be saying is uh some version of now that you've seen this is it the perfect fit you want to use exaggerated language like perfect all of the things you need every single thing everyone in the entire organization would need very exaggerated language to get that person to say uh not perfect not all of them so you can uncover the objections if you say, what do you think, or was this good, or whatever, do you like it? They're going to say yes. So you need some exaggerated language. The second thing I want to say is, okay, if this didn't work out, or sorry, the second thing I want to say is, what are the one or two next steps that you want to take, that you need to take to evaluate a tool like us? I say this specifically one to two steps, because if I say, what are the next steps, they give you the vague answer, bring it to the team. If I say, what are all of the next steps? That's too big of a question. So you say, what are the next one or two steps you might need to take to evaluate anybody like us? So I'm not forcing them to be evaluating me. Then I say, if this didn't work out, what are the, like, the likely reasons or who are the likely people that would have pushed back? And then finally, if that were to happen, uh, what would you do? So, hey, what are the next, uh, first of all, was it perfect? wasn't perfect. Here's a couple of, of objections. Great. We'll talk about that later. Uh, what are the next one or two steps you need to take to be able to look at a tool like this? I've got to bring it to my team, then my boss, then this company or you know, the finance or whatever. Great. Should this not work out for some reason? What are the likely reasons it didn't work out or who are the people that might push back? Um, budget is going to be a big issue. And I think that finance is going to be the ones who push back. Great. Let's assume finance pushes back. What do you think you would do in that situation? Oh, uh, well, I hadn't really thought about what I would do. Maybe I would work with you on getting like an ROI calculation of some kind. Great. We'll talk about that. Now you've identified all of the next steps. All, so I call this, you've identified the entire road of next steps, all of the speed bumps along that road, who's going to push back in issues and the shocks of the car. How prepared are they to go over those speed bumps? This gives you the opening to offer support too often as sales reps. We go, okay, uh, end of the call, I'm going to send you an email of 800,000 links and 85 case studies and the discount. And it's like, make it easy on this person. Ask them what the challenges are. Ask them how we can solve those challenges and see how we can do it together. Yeah. Uh, and one of the things I always say is make it easy to say yes. Make it easy to do business with you. Don't make it so hard. Crazy. I'm looking at the clock and I see we're quickly running out of time and I've got eight zillion more things I want to ask you about. Uh, how about this? Uh, this is something I didn't know either. What are the three levels of pain? <laughs> so when you first talk to someone, you go, hey, why, why are we talking? They give you the first level of pain. It's like a public pain. Uh, yeah, I was interested in what you guys did. You know, we can always do better at sales. 
Then you want to ask the next level of pain, which is whatever they just said. We say sales. Why is that so important right now? Um, and that will give you like a, the sec a better, more private reason of why, oh, well, you know, we had a couple down years or we're just looking to prepare, make sure we have a better year next year. Then the third level of pain is why that thing matters. So you, again, just grab whatever they said. Oh, you've had a couple of down years um, and you just want to get better. Why is that so important that we handle that now versus later? Like, why do you guys care so much? Now I'm like, oh, well, we care so much because we're actually trying to get bought in a couple of years. And so we need to get our valuation up um, over the next year. So originally we were a nice to have, yeah, we just want to check out new sales stuff. And then we get down to, if we don't get sales, right, we're not going to get the valuation that we need. So you, it's really important that you, the tonality is right here. So, Hey, why are we talking? Oh, why is that so important for you guys right now? And then this is really important. I totally get why that's so important for you guys in particular. Why is that so important? Like right now though, you have what they're going to say as a challenge is going to be very obvious. You know, what do you, wh why are we talking? Cause you have a cool software. Why is that important? We want to save money. If I said, why is saving money so important? They were like, do you have a brain? So instead I, I have to go, I totally get why saving money is so important for you guys in particular. Why is that so important right now? And it changes them to go, well, actually here's the real challenge. So you have to add that stuff in here, but that's the three levels of pain. And, and by continuing asking, you're getting them closer and closer to the real truth and what's really going to help them to make a decision. Exactly. And, right. and, and my like caveat secret tip hack on that is stop asking about their pain. Start asking about the CEO's pain or whoever the actual buyer is. Cause you're talking to your point of contact. You should say, Hey, why are we talking? You should go, Hey, does the point of contact, does the CEO or VP or whatever agree? That's a big problem. If I were talking to the CEO, what do you think they would say uh, is the reason that's so important right now? Totally get why that's so key for the CEO. Why do you think that'd be so important and so important right now? Now you can understand what actually needs to get sold. Cause too often we're like, it's easy, it's fast. And the CEO's like, I don't care about either of those things. <laughs> Got it. All right. We only have time for one more and I, I can't resist going with this one. You say that you did the stupidest things to reduce no-shows. What stupid things can we do for <laughs> appointments hold up? <laughs> So I was at a company where we had a ton of inbounds, but we had about 75% show up. And I got that to 97 or 98% by doing these couple of things. The first thing I did was we had the invite or the, the event title changed from uh, whatever it was, let's call it like Joe and John to brackets, not parentheses, brackets, caps lock, uh, confirmed and brackets, Joe and John. So that made, a, that made a difference. The second thing we did was um, the SDR who booked the meeting would call the client the day before or the day of, depending on when the meeting was, to say like, hey, just, just you know, uh, we're excited to talk with you tomorrow. Just wanted to make sure we're still good for the time. Um, and then the third thing was the morning of the meeting, we would send an email to them that was of value. Hey, looking forward to getting it. I was like, so glad we're getting in touch today. Saw this article, thought of you, send. So by the time it's happening, there's like a couple different levels of, of, of guilt to make sure that you actually show up for the meeting. Um, or if it wasn't the right fit and they, and, uh, or the wrong time, we found that out before they no-showed and were able to reschedule on the phone versus trying to reschedule after they no-showed. 
I said the, the last thing I did though on here, which I think no one does, and I think is the most important, is I pay SDRs X dollars per meeting uh, once they show up, X dollars per meeting once they get the proposal, and then X dollars for every dollar that's sold. This way, the SDRs book good meetings who do show up because they're not getting paid on meetings, they're getting paid on held meetings. Yep. They are incentivized to make sure they show up. They also help the AE push the deals forward because they want them to go to the proposal. And even though it's harder to, to close to um, book meetings with bigger companies, we, they're incentivized to go after big companies because they get paid on the revenue. So those four or five things combined are what made it work. It's great. And uh, Amy Rio says, spot on. <laughs> Love you, Amy. I, well, I, I could certainly talk to you all day, my friend, but we don't have much more time today. So uh, I'm sharing my screen. Could you tell people how to reach you? And uh, some people are watching this live, but this will also be a podcast. So if you could explain how they can get in touch with you. Yeah, so if you guys want to get in touch, best way you can get in touch with me is to book time with me uh, if you want. So tinyurl.com slash sales mic. But feel free to just email me directly at mike at officialsalestips.com. That said, if you want to see, see me on social, if you're a rep, it's everywhere at official sales tips. So anywhere, YouTube, Instagram, everywhere. And if you're a manager, I have a specific manager page, which is only on TikTok, which is official sales tips, official sales leader tips. Can't wait to get in touch. And uh, that that is where I found Mike. And uh, if nothing else, just follow him on TikTok. He's great. And you can see his energy. You, you, I love your energy, Mike. You know, it's, you're fast and you don't waste any time. We get like, <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you. So the good much. news, all the same content on TikTok is on Instagram and YouTube and Facebook and everywhere else, too. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing your brilliance generously with us today. I'll end as I always do. Guys, please remember that sales is a game of making things happen. So get out there and make sales happen. Have a great weekend, Mike. Have a great weekend, everybody. Thank you so much. See you again. Take care.